You're listening to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. Join us every Monday as we pull back the curtain on Mormon history, culture, and doctrine. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism. All right, today we are covering topic number 11. There's only 12, so we're almost done. We're covering topic 11 in the pursuit. Um, and Bo, KD, today we're, we're going to talk about how to make disciples. So last week we talked about why should you make disciples, and we pointed out that really the Mormon church is more structured and intentional about it than most Christian churches, and, and, and so shame on us in the Christian church. We should definitely be intentional about this. It should be normal in the church for people to want to make disciples. So that was, we talked about that last week, the why behind it all. Today, we're going to talk about kind of the nuts and bolts. So wait, how, so how someone says, okay, I want to do it. I want to make it. I want to make disciples. How do I do it? How do I make disciples? Now, again, we're going to roll the standard podcast for the regular version of the pursuit. We're going to roll that. But before we do, I think it'd be really good to hear from you two about how you do it. You mentioned last week that that it, nobody's assigning you to anybody. It's not. It's not like the ministry in the Mormon Church, and yet you do a lot of ministry just because you really want to. But you still have a strategy. You still have. You still have an approach to it. And so maybe before we we roll the tape on the on the way it works, maybe you guys can just share some examples of some people that you've been discipling. First of all, I think we both have a heart for people with a Mormon background and uh, we strongly want them to know Jesus and because it's changed our life. And um, I know that, I know that Jesus can change, he can, he can change anyone's heart. So for us, I think we, we probably tend to, um, you know, disciple those who are coming out of Mormonism just because we have such a similar background, we can relate to them and, and help them through a lot of what we went through, a lot of the um, the pain, the hurt, the confusion, the frustration, and then the, well, is there a God? Where do I look? Like all of those things happen. And so um, I think we have a, a bit of a unique perspective being, having been so in Mormonism to the point where, you know, I taught seminary, went on a mission, we were married in the temple, wore garments, all that stuff. Uh, because for any Mormon coming out of Mormonism and finding the biblical Jesus, you have to learn how to remove the philosophies of Joseph Smith and Mormonism to find what the Bible actually teaches. And so anyway, um, so for us, that, that, that's what it's been. And so, yeah, you talk about, I guess, a bit of a strategy. I, I'm not sure that it's a strategy. We just go to church every Sunday and, um, I think I've said this before, but people are leaving the Mormon church more than they ever have. And so every week we find more and more people coming to, you know, to our local Christian church, Alpine church, and um, they stick out like a sore <laughs> thumb, <laughs> just like we did. <laughs> I think our first time at church, I was wearing a suit jacket, right? And you were wearing a dress. So it's pretty obvious. And you were that, trying to dress down too, weren't you? I was dressing down. That's right. I didn't wear a tie. So I thought I was covered. Um, so anyway, so yeah, we typically will, you know, we'll, we'll hang out in the foyer. Um, we'll just, just meet people. And, and I think that really the hardest thing to do in, in discipling is just engaging with people. It's, it's walking up to them. You have no idea who they are. They don't know who you are and you smile at them and you say, hi, that's pretty hard to do. Uh, maybe not for you, but it is for me sometimes. And, uh, but but that's that's really what it takes, right? It, it's to identify someone that that looks like they could use a friend, looks like they could use um, a helping hand, or uh, and, and you just go up and say hi. I think another thing that happens is that at Alpine, there's a lot of greeters and there's a lot of people who are also in the four year just hanging out, and so. I think Alpine's great because if anybody is kind of wandering around, they're going to get caught by somebody. And if they do mention like, oh, we're just checking it out, you know, we're, 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 sometimes they mention that they are Mormon and then somebody will be like, I have someone for you to talk to, you know, so they'll send them our way. And, uh, yeah, I, I think engaging is one of the hardest parts, but ultimately you build a friendship with them. You, 
you can really, really relate to people coming out of Mormonism and we befriend them and try to just really get to know them. Yeah, it's been so fun getting to know uh, so many different families uh, mm-hmm. coming out of Mormonism over the past year. And, and we, I just, we just have such a heart for them and, and we love them. And so really that, like, that's the most important thing. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit's going to do his job with them, uh, that it's not my job. My, my job is to engage with these families and to love them. And so typically what that looks like, you know, it might be different for, for different people. For us, we like to hang out. So we love having people over for dinner, letting the kids run around, stuff like that. Um, and just getting to know people, get, get to know their life story. I think, uh, that that's probably the part that I love almost more than anything else. Uh, and naturally what comes of, uh, of those friendships are conversations about, you know, uh, beliefs, conversations about, um, or questions about Mormonism compared to Christianity. And typically that's where things start. Eventually it leads into, uh, you know, taking them through the pursuit and then hopefully at some point allows them to, to disciple others as well. So would you say that you go from you go from a kind of a relationship just a g- general outreach relationship building to eventually bringing a little more structure if they're ready for it is that a good way to explain how you go from engaging someone to really establishing them in the faith Absolutely we 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 really try to get to know them and build a connection a friendship um and we try to show them how, you know, open our heart is so that they feel comfortable asking us questions. And a lot of times our families and people that we've been mentoring recently, they have a lot of questions that we ourselves faced and we hear these questions over and over. So that's been interesting to me as we've taken people through that. It seems like there is a somewhat of a pattern for Mormons who are leading, but we, we just hope that they feel comfortable enough to ask us those questions. And I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, I'm just so glad that you understand. Mm -hmm. You understand my wording because again, we've talked about this before, but sometimes Christian Christians and Mormons can talk past each other. So I'm, I'm always just happy to hear from our people with a Mormon background saying, I'm just so glad that you can understand what I'm saying because sometimes it can get overlooked. Yeah. And typically it, it naturally flows into more of a structured conversation uh, where we start to, you start to get down to the, the important topics like who's God, who are we, who is Jesus and what did he do for me? Like those, those topics start to come up and that's when it turns into a look, um, it's important to get, I think you've said it here on this podcast, Brian, what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. So that's typically when we'll introduce, you know, Hey, we should really go through topic by topic and we'll, you know, we'll open them up to the pursuit and typically families are willing to to do that. And so it, it's been a ton of fun to go through the pursuit with several families and just, um, it's been so humbling to see the Holy Spirit work in their hearts and to see the change that comes uh, as as these people learn to put their faith and trust in in the God of the Bible. In the in the advantage to using a tool like the Pursuit in this very this very series that we're going through. So again, for for our listeners, if you weren't aware, you can find this series at pursuegod.org/mormonism. It's called the Pursuit for LDS Investigators. There are different versions of the Pursuit, but the LDS Investigator Pursuit is the best one to use for someone who's coming out of Mormonism because it's covering these topics with you guys. And so it's just so much more helpful. And I just was thinking about a listener, Bo, as you said that, people are asking, well, what about Jesus? What about God? And some of our listeners might be like, I don't know, I wouldn't know how to answer those questions. Well, that's why you use a tool like the Pursuit. It's right there for you. The podcast helps do some of the heavy lifting for you. Yeah. The other thing that the pursuit I think establishes is the reliability of the Bible. And and that's another big question that we get from a lot of people leaving Mormonism is they've learned their whole life to question the Bible. 
and to, to wonder what a modern prophet's take is or to wonder if Joseph had retranslated it because they're always taught that you can't rely on the Bible unless it was translated correctly, but nobody knows if it was. And so the, the pursuit really helps you, yeah, I, I un, understand that the Bible is reliable. It's the most reliable book on the earth and, and you can trust it. So anyway, uh, a bit of a tangent, but I guess my point is that as we get more structured, that's when we're able to actually dig into God's word together. And and that's when questions really start to get answered. Even something as simple for people with a Mormon background as the different types of Bibles that like, I think, I hope that Christians listening to our podcast can feel empowered to speak to their Mormon friends and to their Mormon background friends and and to hopefully start to really understand them and where they're coming from and be able to answer questions, you know, like we've talked about on this podcast a lot about King James version of the Bible versus, you know, Christians use all sorts of different things. And some of our Mormon friends have asked like, well, are these reliable? How do you know that these, these translations are reliable? So I just, I really encourage um, the Christians listening to listen through these podcasts and also know you know, know those kind of questions that your Mormon friends might ask you and know how we got the, those translations. And it's really important to know how and why they're reliable so you can answer their questions. Yeah. And I would say not just listen to the podcast yourself as the disciple maker, but share the podcast with the person that you're helping. Wouldn't you guys say that's one of the easiest first steps you can do is you can say, hey, check out this podcast. It, you might find it helpful. Man, every person who's investigating leaving Mormonism that I've shared the podcast with eats it up. That's why we make, that's why we make these podcasts. Cause it's, it's, it isn't it different from the kind of in the Mormon, in the, in the Mormon world, it's totally intimidating to go to a church, but it's not intimidating to kind of privately listen to a podcast in the, in the, you know, in the quiet of your own car or house. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's really hard when you're coming out of Mormonism to know who you can actually talk to and who you can trust with the vulnerability that you have right now of, uh, yeah, you don't believe in Joseph Smith, which any Mormon hearing that is going to gasp and hide their children from you because it's such a, it's such a hard thing to talk about. And so, yeah, I think the podcasts are a great way to sort of have a silent conversation with yourself and as you listen. So yeah, I would agree. And I think it's great for, for the mentor, if you do share the podcast with your um, potential mentee, there are questions that go right along with each of these um, topics. So if you feel a little bit nervous, it's you just look it up online and there it's a whole structured thing. You can ask questions and then sort of let the conversation flow, you know, allow them to talk. Um, and it's it's all right there. Yeah. And so we'll put links to some of that stuff in the show notes down below, but the tools you have available are the pursuit for LDS investigators. You've got the Mormonism page at pursuegod.org, pursuegod.org slash Mormonism. You've got the leaving well series on that page, which is a four week series for people when they're ready to talk about leaving Mormonism. That's really, a lot of times that's a helpful lead in to the pursuit for LDS investigators. So all these resources are available. We'll put links to them down below. And But the whole goal really is to actually do it, to actually make disciples, not because somebody's making you, the bishop's not going to assign you people. It's because it's what God wants and, you know, and your, your friends need it. Your Mormon friends and family members and people who are ready, they need it. And it'll change their life and it'll change your life. But having a strategy is important. And so I think we're ready now to roll the tape and this is, so this is topic 11 from the standard version of the pursuit. It's just how to make disciples using the pursuegod.org tools. Here it is. Okay, today's topic is probably the most important topic we could ever cover on the training podcast at pursuegod.org because we're going to talk today about how to make disciples. And I'm joined in the studio by Pastor John, Pastor Ross. Guys, we're going to talk through with painstaking detail and plenty of our own personal examples, how to actually make disciples using the Pursue God resources. Now, this can this topic is 
topic 11 in our 12-week pursuit series. So if you're listening to this as part of going through the pursuit, I, I hope you'll listen all the way through. And really our goal is to get you to do what we've been doing, is to empower you to make disciples just like we're making disciples with the Pursue God resources. Now, if you're doing this in the pursuit, then then you would have covered, covered topic 10, which was all about why we should make disciples. So guys, why don't we just start with that, John? Why why should people make this? Why should people keep listening? Because this is going to be a lot of work. This is this is going to be you know probably frustrating for some people. This is going to be you know disappointing for some people as they try to start making disciples. So why even bother doing it? Well, we talked about several of those reasons in lesson ten. But number one, Jesus told us to do it. So as a follower of Jesus. He gets to call the shots. He has authority in my life, and he has called me to be a disciple maker. Maker, it, it's his strategy for building the kingdom here on earth. So that's that's the first and foremost reason. Okay, now Ross, I'm going to let you ask or answer the next one. This might be the harder question: Why why use tools like PursueGod.org? Right, and Pursue God's been around for a long time, and Everything we're going to be talking about is disciple making with the Pursue God tools. And right off the bat, I know some Christians are going to throw a flag at that and say, well, Jesus didn't disciple with tools like this. The disciples didn't disciple with tools like this. So why why follow a strategy that uses tools from PursueGod.org? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think part of, a big part of it is that um, if you look at one of the main things holding people back from obeying you know Jesus commission to make disciples is that people don't feel like they know how to do it I hear over and over and over again people say well if only I I don't know enough I don't I don't have enough experience or whatever so we really we tried to create here a tool that gives people access to the process this is you can do this because it's simple and um, the other thing about it is it's reproducible if I do it with somebody they already know how to do it because they've experienced it right off they don't have to be the content expert. The videos provide that. They just have to be able to walk through a conversation with somebody. Yeah. It makes good. it accessible. Yeah, that's good. And so really, we should probably give a definition of disciple-making. Here's how we define disciple-making at PursueGod.org. Disciple-making is just simply a series of conversations to help someone pursue the God of the Bible. So that's why PursueGod.org is what we call a conversation library. It's a library. There are thousands of conversations at PursueGod.org. And really, when you think about how Jesus discipled his 12 and others, he just had a series of conversations with them. He would walk with them and talk with them, and and they would listen to his sermons as he, as he preached to crowds. And so Jesus discipled through a series of conversations. And as we thought years ago, as we thought about how do we empower the people in our church and in other churches, how do we empower the average Christian to help someone else pursue God? How do we empower someone to make a disciple? We really had to boil it down to, we need to empower them to have conversations. And so really what we say at Pursue God is, if you can have a conversation, you can make a disciple. I'm going to say that again. It's that simple. If you can have a conversation, you can make a disciple. And so the Pursue God tools are just that. They're just tools to help you to have conversations that can eventually lead somebody in your world to be a disciple. And, you know, again, we should probably talk about what a disciple is. A disciple is someone, if you think about the circle, a disciple is someone who does three things. They, they trust Jesus, they honor God, and they make disciples themselves. And so we'll talk more about that in a second, but that's what we're making. We're making people who trust Jesus for salvation if they've never done that before. They become a Christian, in other words, and then they begin to live their lives in a way that shows that Jesus is the Lord of their life. That's the second thing. And then the third thing we believe is that they actually make disciples. And this is what so few Christians actually do, which is why we created the Pursue God tools. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how to make a disciple. We're talking about it making a full circle follower of Jesus. And there are three steps to doing it. Okay. It, we call them the three E's. All right. So you engage someone. That's step one or phase one. And then phase two is you establish them in the faith. And then step three or phase three is you empower them to go do the same thing. So guys, let's break down these three steps. And again, let's share plenty of our own examples because this isn't just theoretical. 
This is something that all three of us have done with many people over the last decade. We've engaged people, we've established them in the faith, and then we've empowered them to go make disciples. So let's talk about engaging. John, how do you, what does it mean to engage someone, this first step in the process of disciple making? Well, one of the ways to think about it is ask yourself, what what kinds of conversations would be most interesting to this person that I want to disciple? Is there something, maybe it's a life stage, maybe they just had their first child. And so you're thinking, man, I bet some parenting conversations could be a blessing for them. Or maybe, you know, they're struggling financially. And so we have, you know, conversations about how to, how to do money well in the library. So what, what's going to be on, on their heart? Where is God already doing some work possibly? What, what questions seem to come up in your normal day-to-day conversations with them? You know, what, what seems to be the hot buttons in their life right now? And then come along beside them, right? Much like Philip did with the Ethiopian official in the chariot, right? He came along and he talked about what he was already reading, what, what God was already kind of putting on his heart. Yeah. You know, I think some listeners, some Christians, longtime Christians might be listening to this saying, whoa, 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 hold on a second. That doesn't sound like disciple making. You, you come alongside them and talk with them about parenting. You talk with them about some about like a felt need of theirs. If they like maybe they have an addiction or or they have a question, a theological question, that doesn't sound like discipling. But I think a lot of Christians make the mistake of getting too spiritual too quickly. You know, we we and I think it comes from a good place, right? Because we know that the deepest need in everyone's life is Jesus. And so we want to talk to people about Jesus. And I know so many people who are great evangelists, they have the gift of evangelism who are the kinds of people who sit next to someone on the plane and start telling them about Jesus. They just have that gift. I don't know about you guys, but I do not have that gift. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're not saying, hey, if you want to go make disciples, you have to go on a street corner and start preaching through a megaphone. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to do. It's just that most Christians wouldn't do that. We're talking about a little bit of a different approach, a little bit more of a lifestyle approach, like a holistic approach. We're saying that you walk with them for a while, you try to get a sense for where they are, and then as you're doing this, you're engaging with them in a meaningful way, again, just in simple conversations. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says that people who aren't spiritual can't receive truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So Paul talks about the fact that we're supposed to be ambassadors for God, but that doesn't mean that we just try to cram spiritual truth. We're not tr- just trying to share the gospel first thing with everyone, right? That's that's not necessarily what it means to engage. It, to engage means that you really think about it from their perspective. What are the kinds of things that they care about? It might not be spiritual stuff right now. And so I want to meet them where they are. Ross, how have you seen this at play? Because you're one of the most spiritual people I know. You know God's word. You love God's word. But I love that you understand that engaging isn't just about cramming God's word down people's throats. Yeah, I think one of the fundamental things to understand is that disciple making is um, a relational. It's a relational practice. It's life on life. And so, you know, I got I want to enter, enter into that person's life in that world, wherever they're at. And I, I want to earn their trust. I want to earn a relationship with them so that we can talk about um, more serious issues and topics along the way. You know, every topic has spiritual implications. There's, it's not, you can't say, well, this is a spiritual topic and this is a worldly topic. Every topic, parenting, finances, et cetera, uh, reflects an underlying spiritual uh, issue or, pr- or principle. And so we're, we're trying to say, I think in American culture, people think about discipleship as taking a class, you know, and you finish the class, then you must, you get the certificate. Yeah. But, but we're saying that, no, it's really a life on life kind of process. So for example, <clears throat> I met a guy in the lobby of, the, of our church and um, I found out he had a similar background to me, so I said, "Yeah, like, let's get to, let's get better acquainted." Um, I didn't start off by saying, "Hey, would you like to enter a discipleship or a mentoring relationship with me?" 
I said, let's get better acquainted. You seem like an interesting guy. I'd like to hear your story and compare notes of my story and so forth because they're similar. So we met in a coffee shop. And um, as we talked, then in our conversation, it became clear that there was a, a subject of interest to him. And so I said, hey, you know, we, I, I, we got a video on that. Would you, would you like to watch this video and, and, and we'll discuss it? Let's get together in a couple of weeks and we'll discuss it. And he said, sure, I'd love to do that. And so we eased into a discipleship relationship um, just by starting to get to know each other. Yeah, I love your. I love that story because I, I, I want to make sure our listeners understand. It's not like you just started by sending him a topic from the website, although you can do it like that. But you just started with a relationship, and then as you kind of understood where where he was and what would be of interest to him, you you began to bring some structure into the relationship. That's really what you do is is you start with relationship and then you bring structure into it. Yeah, and let me let me tell you along those lines about a mistake I made once. There's a there's a guy in my softball team, and we're we're friends, and he's a great guy, a lot of potential. And so I came to him and I said, "Hey, you know, I won't say his name or anything, but I said, "Hey, would you like to to do some mentoring together with me?" He respect me, and we have you know we like each other and so forth. And he said, sure, I'd like to do that. I don't think he really knew what it was. And I th- I'm not sure if he really got like, like knew what he was saying yes to. And so I said, oh, look, here's this library. Why don't you go browse through this library and find some topics you're interested in? Well, that was just overwhelming to him. And it never took off because we hadn't taken time to stop and I, me, me to listen to him about like what might be a point of entry by just dumping the whole library and a hundred topics and a thousand videos on him. It just was a bad way to start a relationship. Yeah. Let's talk just for a second about the library. So if you, if you're not familiar with pursuegod.org, I encourage you to go check it out, but pursue God is a conversation library. So it's filled with thousands, literally two or 3000 topics and counting. And that every topic has a few things. It has either a video and or an audio podcast like this one. So for example, this is a topic. This is this is the audio portion of topic 11 from The Pursuit, which is a 12-part series at PursueGod.org. So this is part of topic 11. So this particular topic has a video, a short video, five, six-minute video, along with this podcast, longer form conversation. And then it has some talking points. Usually it has an article you can access and it always has discussion questions. So that's what we mean by a topic at pursuegod.org. That's a conversation starter. So, so there are thousands of topics organized into categories like life and faith and family, like marriage and parenting. There are topics for students, topics for men, topics for women. There are all kinds of um, specific categorical topics. So there are thousands of topics on the site, but the basic strategy then is to eventually start using these conversation starters to empower a a little bit more of an informed conversation because a lot of people maybe don't feel comfortable or confident knowing what to talk about, say, about addiction or about marriage or about parenting. So that's what the, that's what the topic is eventually is helpful, right? That when you, when you do feel like it's time to bring some structure into the relationship, you can say, Hey, how about we use some of these resources on this website? Cause it might just help focus our conversations. And then you can send out text out the link to that topic ahead of time. And hopefully, um, John speak to this. Hopefully they'll watch the video or listen to the podcast before they even come to meet with you. Because if you can get them to do that, then your conversation can really take off. Well, they'll be more invested for sure. The conversation will be more engaging because they've already spent some time thinking through the topic, thinking through the application of it. And Ross hit on this earlier, but with all of these topics, life, family, faith, men, women, et cetera, we're, we're, we're using God's word as the compass. You know, so we, we don't just bring to them the latest idea about how to parent <laughs> or the latest idea or what culture would say about marriage. So we're bringing the truth and the wisdom of God's word in each and every one of these conversations. So for someone who's listening, who hasn't used this method yet, if you're thinking, well, this just doesn't sound very spiritual, 
you're going to be using God's word for each and every one of these conversations. All the conversations have scripture as part of the video, as part of the podcast. So we're not just going in there and giving them, you know, our opinion or the latest ideas from culture. Okay. So we're talking about phase one, that you're engaging, you're engaging someone in conversations. Now, John Ross, how do you know when you're ready to move to the second phase? The second phase is when you establish them in a, in a legit relationship with Jesus Christ. So the second phase is when you start getting spiritual. And this is, you know, this is when you bring them through the pursuit. So for the first phase, you're just engaging, you're having all kinds of conversations for the second phase, you're actually getting very focused and you're taking them through the 12 week series called the pursuit. Again, this is topic 11 in that series, but there are 11 other topics in that series that you can cover with them to cover things like sin and Jesus and salvation. So, so those are sort of the basics of being a Christian. And that's the point for the second phase is you're establishing them in the Christian faith. So my first question is, how do you know, and, and be specific with some examples, guys, how do you know when someone is ready to get to that establishing phase? Well, I can, I can speak to a very recent interaction with a, with a couple we started out with marriage topics. They approached me and, and they'd, they'd been having some conflict in their marriage. In fact, they didn't tell me this when we first started meeting, but in, in kind of in hindsight, they said, you know, really, John, we were, we were about to call it quits. I mean, we were right on the edge. So we spent about three months looking at different marriage topics. We talked about communication. We talked about handling conflict. And, and I'm, I'm praying through it, you know, this whole time. I mean, one of the, one of the big ways to know when to make that move is, is obviously the, the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I started to see some changes in their marriage. I started to see some, some fruit of the conversations. I could tell with each passing week that things were getting better. And so then I just started really listening to the questions that they were asking. And, and eventually they were asking more spiritual questions, you might call it, than they were marriage questions. And so at that point, I said, hey, guys, I, you know, we can come back and do some marriage topics anytime you want. But I really think it'd be a great time now to go through the pursuit to talk about some of these spiritual questions that you guys are asking. And, and we did that. You know, we went we went through all 12 weeks of the pursuit. Neither of them at that time, we're quite ready to put their faith in Jesus, but the conversations were fantastic. And we, we hung out, we kept doing some spiritual conversations. And, and about two weeks ago, the husband in that relationship put his faith in Jesus Christ. It was really neat. And so that all started with engage and then praying about and, and listening to them and knowing when to move into the established part of the conversation. Ross, for you, have you seen, you know, similar things that you're engaging someone and it's, it's kind of clear to you that they're ready to talk about some of these fundamentals of Christianity? Yeah, there's a certain discernment. And as you spend time together, then, you know, you know the trust level grows and your sense of who they are and what's going on in their life grows. I would say this, though, that um, just just so our listeners really have a realistic perspective, there's a lot of uh, discipling relationships I've had that have never got to the to the um, established place. And I'm thinking about my wife as well. She's been mentoring a couple of women who she has really had a hard time even getting the engage going. And so um, just because of people are flaky and they have like a, other life priorities and and different things. and um, And so just to be realistic to our listener is that, you know, there's going to, it's not going to be a perfect circle in, in anybody's relationship. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be start and stops. There's going to be a lot of people that you've invested something in that, that it, it, you know, it's going to fizzle out and, and that's not up to you. You know, that's, you have to understand our part and God's part. And we'll talk about that more in the next, um, in the next topic. But part of it is just understanding that, you know, I can't change anybody's heart and I can't, inspire them 
to be spiritually motivated or to be motivated about the relationship, but I can be discerning. I can plant seeds. I can give challenges where it's appropriate and, um, and try to be discerning. I have the big picture in mind that the person, the other person doesn't have. And so, so I want to look for the opportunities to, to keep moving it forward. Yeah. And John, you mentioned that even bringing that couple through the pursuit, they, they didn't, they didn't put their faith in Jesus. So let's talk about that for a second, right? The pursuit is, is 12 weeks. The first three topics are kind of introductory about who Jesus is. By the way, you can get a booklet version of this as well that's helpful to hand people and invite them to read the booklet first. It's, the booklet only contains the first 10 lessons. The last two lessons are really only on the website. But you know, the first, the first three lessons are very introductory, kind of getting your feet wet about the heart of God and why the Bible's trustworthy. Great, simple lessons. But then the next three lessons are all about that first arrow of the circle are all about getting, helping someone to trust Jesus for salvation. You know, the way we say this is helping somebody pray the sinner's prayer, right? So topic four is all about sin. You explore sin together, you investigate what sin is. Topic five is all about um, who Jesus is, to make sure that they understand who Jesus is. And then topic six is all about trusting Jesus, like we call it saving faith. And topic six is really the most pivotal topic in the whole series because that's where someone has the opportunity to pray a sinner's prayer if they've never done that before. Now, I know some of our listeners might be like, whoa, I've never led anyone in a sinner's prayer before. Well, exactly. That's why we've put it together like this <clears throat> to, to help you to probably do something that might be outside of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, if if the person coming to the conversation is listen to the podcast, watch the video, is ready for a conversation. What you're going to find, this is what I've noticed, guys, is the Holy Spirit has already done 98% of the work in their heart by the time they even show up for the conversation. So recently, Tracy and I were leading another couple through the pursuit, and we went, you know, one, two, three, four, five. We get to topic six, and we were very prayerful before we even met with this couple. Um, just to just God, if this is the time, I pray that they would put put their faith in you. And we just kept it really, really simple. Listen to them, walk through the questions, and as you do that, it just leads you right to the last question: Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? And if not, do you want to do that today? And they said, "Yeah, we want to do that today." Uh, it was really beautiful. We so we literally just had them read the prayer, pray it as a prayer, right out of that that lesson, and it was an awesome opportunity to celebrate with them that they placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So that's one outcome, but it's not the outcome every time. So John, you mentioned that that you brought this couple through, and I'm sure you hit topic six, and it sounds like they weren't quite ready to make that decision. So what did you do then? Well, this is interesting, Brian, because oftentimes if I get to six and I'm not ready, I won't do seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, and 12. I mean, what, what's the point in talking about living a life that honors God when we haven't, we haven't done the first step of trusting Jesus, but this couple in their situation, they had grown up in another religion. Um, they had grown up in a religion that they uses some of the, many of the same words that we would use in biblical Christianity, but maybe has slightly different definitions. And they had an, they had a, an interest in continuing the pursuit. So we actually did go ahead and go through seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12, most of the time I, I probably wouldn't do that. Most of the time I would just hang out and let's do some more conversations about who Jesus is or more conversations about sin, more conversations about eternity until they're ready to make that. So just let, you know, I'd say let the spirit lead you obviously in that. Uh, but then also, you know, the, the person that you're investing in, if they want to continue to have those conversations, even if they haven't quite made that decision yet, I, I wouldn't want to I would want to say, hey, no, we can't. You know, we, we can't go there because you didn't put your faith in Jesus yet. Yeah, and I would encourage you to even just say that. Just say, hey, let's, if you're not ready for that, let's come back to topic six later. And, and that's, a, it's a, again, it's just kind of a good reminder to them that we're not, like, we're not done with this topic. It, so that's a simple way to say it, John, is to say, let's, let's, even if you want to go back to the engage phase for a while, let's, hey, let's go back and talk more about marriage or parenting or whatever. I mean, discipleship is a series of conversations. If they're not ready, you know, back to that verse we read before that 
1 Corinthians 2. People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. So don't try to force it. Just stay in relationship with them. Say, let's keep talking about, I'll still invest in you. Let's keep talking about these other things, but be clear with them. But but let's come back to this when you're ready for it. I would just say, be clear with them about that. Say, this is that important. This is that important that you that we that we make sure that at some point when you're ready that we do this. In fact, with that couple I mentioned earlier in the week, I had seen the husband and I told him I said, "Hey, to- it's topic six this week, and this is I, this is a very important topic, and this is a topic where if you're ready, I'm going to lead you to faith in Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a sinner's prayer. Do you think you'll be ready for that?" And he already knew about that because he actually had the book version of it. So he had already read through the whole book. And he said, I've been waiting for this. He said, I've been excited about this. I said, what about your wife? He said, yeah, I think she'll be ready too. So it was really, again, you don't have to be secretive about it. Like, this is an important, topic six is a pivotal moment in a discipleship process for anybody. So talk about it, talk openly about it. And if they're not ready for it, don't make a mystery out of it. Just say, Let's talk about some other topics and let's come back to this when you're ready. And you know, Brian, this is a great, this is a great feature of the pursuit is that it's so adaptable and, and you know, people look at it, maybe tend to look at it as saying, oh, this is 12 topics. I'm going to plow through them in 12 weeks or it's not like a class. It's not like, it's not like taking a class at the, at the university or something like that. It's a relationship. And so I'm taking a guy through the pursuit right now. And we'll talk more about that in the, when we get to the empower stage, because that's kind of where he's at. But um, but we've taken some detours. We've said, well, let's let's explore. They seem to have uh, less understanding about certain things. So we could say, okay, let's let's wait on on topic four and explore topic three and some of the accessory um, related concepts to that. And there's a great list of other topics to look at. And so we can say, okay, it's appropriate to take a detour because that's where you're at. And then we'll come back to the structure again and keep moving forward in the 12 uh, weeks of the pursuit. It's so adaptable that it really makes it work for just about just about where anybody's at. And even if you're discipling a, a Christian, some of our listeners may be wondering, well, would, would I take a Christian through the pursuit? Would I establish them because they're already established in the faith? But I would just say, absolutely, do it anyway. It's they they need someone to model for them how to help the next person because likely no one has ever modeled that for them. And and it's also important, I think, to just speak some of the same language. You know, so as you take them through the pursuit, they're really going to be introduced to this idea of a, a full circle follower of Jesus. You know, we see examples all around us in, in the corporate world and athletics, the power of a shared language. You know, anytime Patrick Mahomes calls a play in the huddle for the Chiefs, everybody knows what he's saying. But if you and I heard that play, we wouldn't have a clue what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I would say another reason to bring a Christian through. This is a question we get all the time. I'm already these are already Christian. This is the ba- these are the basics of Christianity. Look, don't make any assumptions about the person you're discipling. They, they. You might think they're a Christian, and they might think they're a Christian, but who knows? I've I've met people, I've brought people through the pursuit who grew up in the church and who said, I don't know that I've ever personally trusted Jesus for salvation. I don't know that I've ever done that before. So why, I mean, not just for training purposes, bring them through it, not just for relational purposes, bring them through it, bring them through the pursuit because they might actually learn something through the basics. And, and so I, th- I think it's so valuable to take the time to bring someone through the pursuit. Now, I will say this, that you can bring someone through the pursuit in a little bit more of, a, of an expedited fashion. If you're, if you're pretty sure they're, they're a solid believer, you can say, hey, why don't we do topics one through three? That's kind of the way to do it in four weeks. You can do the pursuit in four weeks. Let's do, let's do the first module, topics one through three. And then next week, let's do topics four through six. And so you can, but you're still covering it, but you're covering it a little bit quicker. That's okay. I've done that with some Christians before, but the whole goal, remember in this second phase is to establish someone in the faith and make sure that they know that they're being established in the faith. And once you've done that, 
you're ready to move to the third thing. Okay, so so phase one, step one is engage them. That, again, that might take weeks, that might take months, that might take years in engaging them. It's eventually you move to f- step two, phase two, which is where you establish them in the faith by bringing them through the pursuit. Again, you can find that at pursuegod.org slash go. And by the way, we, we are developing additional um, uh, sort of category-specific series of the pursuit. So there's a men's pursuit, there's a women's pursuit. And so there's not just one standard way to do it. There, there are some other options available for the pursuit. But then the, and also, by the way, if you're a church listening to this and you want to purchase the books in bulk, um, we really encourage, if your church is going to be using this strategy for disciple making, you can you can order those in bulk so that you can give those out for free. And that's what we do at our church. You can find all that in the bottom menu at pursuegod.org. Just click on the books menu there. Step three, though, the third step is to empower someone. Okay, so you've engaged them, you've established them in the faith. And this is the thing that that personally I'm very excited about because because our goal at PursueGod.org, guys, is to is to empower disciple making, is to make disciple making a thing again. We want to see in the next generation that it's the norm for Christians to make disciples. It's not the exception. Right now in most most churches in America, it's the exception if somebody's out there actively making disciples and baptizing people, which by the way is topic seven, baptism. So that's the exception. We think it should be the norm. We think that Jesus envisioned a church where everyone did it. And so in order to get there, I think it's important for the individual disciple maker to feel the onus, to feel the responsibility to empower the person that they've just discipled to go disciple someone else, right? So built into the pursuit, you've You've talked about um, being full circle, trusting Jesus, honoring God, and the last three topics in the pursuit. And again, this is part of those last three topics. Is to is the tr- is the sort of the training module in the pursuit. So by the time you finish the pursuit, someone would have already gone through this topic. In fact, someone's listening to this right now with their discipler, and I'm talking to you right now. You are about ready to enter into the empowering phase because once you finish topic 12, now your disciple, the person who discipled you, their job is to see to it that you have every opportunity to disciple someone else. And so guys, let's talk about how this works at a practical level because I think this is the trickiest part of the whole thing is the person who has gone through the pursuit and now wants to go disciple somebody, but they don't know who to disciple. So how does the disciple maker play into that, John? What does the disciple maker do to empower that new person to be a, become a disciple maker? Well, I think there are a couple of things you can do. One, one of the biggest issues for most of the people that are, are in our congregations, you know, if you're active in your local church, you, you hit, you hit on this a little bit. They don't, they don't feel qualified. They don't feel like they know enough. So hopefully by the time you get to the empower stage, they recognize the value of using a resource, using a tool like this, where it's just, all you're really going to do is, is repeat what I have done with you. You're going to go out and model this to the next person. And this is where a, a pastor at, at the church, if, if you're in church leadership and you're listening to this, you can really help them by looking for opportunities to hand someone off to them. So I, I know for me in our congregation, I would say on average, we get one to two mentoring requests every week is currently our kind of our volume. Um, I don't, I don't want to mentor all those people. Uh, number one, I couldn't physically, I can't. But number two, it doesn't give someone else the opportunity to go full circle. It doesn't give someone else the opportunity to empower them. So as a pastor and, and Brian, I've seen you do this literally hundreds of times and I feel like I have a long way to go to, to get as good at as you are, but I, I, I'm learning to look for handoff opportunities every week at my church. So if I have someone who comes up and prays with me or someone who, who just has a question about the passage that day that we just taught on, in my mind, I'm thinking about the people that I've mentored recently or that someone else in our church has mentored, and I'm wondering, who, who can I connect this person to? Because that's the scariest part in a lot of ways. If, if you've just finished the pursuit, if you're in lesson 11 right now, you're in this lesson, 
you're probably a little intimidated to go, well, who am I going to go out to and ask, hey, can I be your mentor? But if I can facilitate a handoff to that person, that that's going to give them, you know, it's going to give them a jump start. Yeah. So Ross, what would you do? And by the way, for pastors or leaders out there at your church saying, I want to bring this to my church. We've got resources on the training page at pursuegod.org to help you with this. We've got pastor training that talks through how to make a handoff. So we dive into this for pastors. We're not going to get into that right here, but John, I think that's a great point. The church should be leveraging its institution to make handoffs and, and, and empower disciple making. And that's really what Pursue God churches are all about. That's what our church does. And that's what we we envision that many churches will do in the years and the decades ahead to use these free Pursue God resources. But Ross, what about for the just the one-on-one discipling relationship? Maybe their church doesn't, doesn't talk about mentoring or discipleship. Maybe the church isn't really necessarily helpful for this. So how does a how does a disciple maker, the, the mentor, how does a mentor help the mentee to find someone to mentor? Because the best case scenario is the the person who goes through the pursuit is like, awesome. I want to bring, I want to do this with my kids or with my spouse or with my friends. I've got a person I want to engage. But a lot of people don't aren't quite ready to do that. And that's where I think the mentor needs to come in and really help make the handoff. So give us some practical advice about how a mentor can do that. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm going to back it up one step first. And so I want to, one thing that I've done that I think is is helpful in this is even in the engage phase, I want to start casting a vision for the person to go full circle and become a disciple maker. And I don't, I'm not going to lay that out, lay that out and say, Hey, someday, you know, you're going to make disciples and that, cause that scares somebody off in the, in the early phase. But I will say after maybe a couple of times we've met, I will say, you know what? I envision someday you can probably do this with somebody else. Just what I'm doing with you. Um, and then let's leave it there, leave it there, plant a seed. I don't say, well, here's my agenda for you to get there. You know, we're going to do this, whatever. Um, but, but once a person enters into the pursuit, um, it's, it's more on, it's more obvious. There's the 12 topics and one of them is, you know, two, actually three of them deal with this. And so I can be a little more upfront about that. But so I've got a guy right now that we're actually, um, the next time we meet, we're going to do, um, number topic 11 together. But all along the way, we've been, you know, we've been talking about, Hey, um, this is what, you know, your calling is, this is what Jesus wants to do. And so number one, every time we meet, we pray for, um, you know, because he, he already knows he wants to be a disciple maker. And so all the way through the pursuit that's been on the table. So every week we're praying for who will that person be? And, and then, you know, I've communicated, we've talked to his pastor and the church is supportive. And so the pastor is looking for a handoff, but two things now. So two areas that make it easier for a person to say, well, I don't, who do I know? You know, I don't know anybody. And, and so, so number one is if you're part of a small group, people in your small group are great candidates for a mentoring relationship because you already know them and there's some trust. And maybe there's someone in your small group that, that you sense has maybe some motivation or whatever, and you can take them and under your wing, so to speak. So you already know them, they know you. But what I've been with the guy I'm working with right now, I've just been trying to challenge him every week to think about how would this work in your family? You start in your family. In some ways that's the easiest. And in some ways it's the hardest, you know, to, if your spouse is maybe not quite where you are spiritually or your children are, 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 you know, teenage or older and that you're not sure where. And so that's what his situation is. He's trying to figure out how can I begin to introduce this into my family? Um, when really there hasn't been maybe a lot of spiritual leadership in the home necessarily. And um, so we're working on all these different fronts, looking for um, ways to identify people, but we're just praying about it every week. Yeah. One of the questions in in this lesson in topic 11 for the pursuit is make a list of a few people who might be interested in going through a discipleship track with you or having a discipleship conversation and begin praying for those people. So even just going through that question, which hopefully you'll do here with somebody, if you're going through this in the pursuit, really answering that question, begin praying for those people. Um, 
And you know what I've noticed is when you start praying for something, God, God, it's almost like He prepares your heart, and He op- it's it's like He opens your eyes to the opportunities. But the key is to know what to do with the opportunity. What are you inviting someone into? And again, that goes back to the beginning. You're inviting someone into a relationship where you're having conversations. That's it. You don't have to call it a mentoring relationship, a discipling. You're just inviting someone to a relationship that can eventually become more structured as that relationship moves on. And so this is all you're trying to do. I think if you have a clear picture of that, and then if you have the courage and the boldness, it's interesting that the early disciples, the main thing, read the book of Acts, the main thing the early disciples prayed for was boldness. So you're not the only one who's a little intimidated by this. If you're out there listening to this, saying, I don't, I think you got the wrong guy. That's exactly what the disciples said. I think you got the wrong guy. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have the power to be my witnesses. So we do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. But even after Jesus said that to his disciples, they, whenever they would get together to pray, they said, God, give us boldness to speak your word. Give us boldness. We're scared to do it. We're afraid to do it. We're intimidated to do it. So you're not alone. And yet God used the fishermen and the tax collectors, these basic, ordinary, everyday guys, to launch a movement that changed the whole world. We're supposed to be a part of the movement, but I think we've gotten away from it in our churches because Christianity today is more a consumer sport. Christianity is just all about going to church and checking that box off and you know, listening to good worship, maybe doing our spiritual devotions in our lives. All those things are good, but they're not ultimately what Jesus envisioned. He envisioned just an army of followers who would go out there and make disciples. And again, that's why we've created the Pursue God tools to help you to do just that. And and I want to say something to to this as well. Ross, you mentioned it. If you're a parent out there with younger kids, you know, five to 12, that is the best time to start discipling your younger kids. Go to the kids page at PursueGod.org and start just doing the same thing we're talking about right here. You can engage them through family devotionals every week. But look, here's what I want to say to parents, and we can talk about this more later. But parents, your goal should be the same goal that Jesus has for your kids. Your goal should be to get them to go full circle. Your goal shouldn't just be to invest in your kids while they're in your home and and help them to be consumers. Your goal should be to disciple them to first help them to trust Jesus for salvation. Number two, to help them to honor God in their daily life. And then number three, I hope you would help them to make disciples. I hope that you would empower them to make disciples because that's how they will own their faith. Your kids won't own their faith. I don't believe this. And I'm speaking from experience. My kids own their faith because we did this with our kids. Our kids are now full circle followers of Jesus. They make disciples, even though they don't live in our home anymore. They make disciples because they see it as as a as an expectation in their life as a follower of Jesus. And they use the Pursue God tools to do it just because it's easy to do it. It's not biblical, more biblical to do it, but it's easy to do it with the Pursue God tools. You don't have to use the tools, but as long as you're doing it, great. That's what we want. That's what we're encouraged by. John, why don't you just finish by talking us through one more verse, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. It's a great verse to have ringing in our ears as we finish this lesson. Yet you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So look at the the different generations of disciple makers here. Right, Paul talks about the things that have been confirmed that were that were taught to him. So there's the level above Paul, then there's Paul, then Paul has taught this to Timothy. He wants Timothy to pass it on to other trustworthy people, who then in turn can pass it on to someone else. So we see five different generations, if you will, of disciple makers in this verse, and and that's that's real. I mean, all the resources, all the tools that that's what they're designed to do, that we teach things that we know to be true because every conversation is based in God's word. And we do it in a way that we model what it's going to be like for the person we're mentoring to then turn and go do it to the next person who's going to help the next person do it, who's going to help the next person do it. Uh, and it, and it really is 
uh, it, well, it's Jesus's strategy for building the kingdom. This is how we've been told to do it. So that's how to make disciples with the Pursue God resources. You engage, then you establish, and then you empower. And when you do this, we believe that you will help more and more people, including yourself and people in your church and your family and your community to become full circle followers of Jesus. Now to talk about this with your small group, with a mentor, with your family, you can find this. It's topic 11 and in the pursuit, pursuegod.org forward slash go. And don't forget, join us next time because we're going to talk about topic number 12, some real practical tips on how to do this.